a lot of owners tell me things because I don't tell anybody. Has it been a long week? Do you need a break? Are you stressed? Stuck in your job? Maybe you need an escape. I'm Beth Dival. I'm Tatiana Abaro. And I'm Ezekiel Kajakai. And this is Escape Break, where we discuss all things escape rooms in Southern California. The good. The bad. The funny. And don't forget the awkward. Trust me, I wish I could. This show is just on the horizon. Get ready to sit back, relax, stop working, and take a break with us. Everybody, welcome in to the Ultimate Game Master here on Escape Break. Brought to you by the Cager Express Podcast. I'm here with Beth Dival once again. Thank you to everyone who listened to the original Ultimate Game Master. Had a lot of success. Had several people reach out to our Instagram saying they listened to it. Some even listened to it and then sent it to their employees to say, hey, listen to this. When's the next episode? So here we are with the next episode. We have five new topics to discuss about how to be a superb, a wonderful, and the best word, the ultimate game master for your customers. So you have fun, they have fun, and success will follow. But first, I have Beth with me. Beth, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I am doing well. I'm just about to finish up my schooling, although I do this podcast almost full-time at times. I'm back Mm -hmm. in school, almost done with my cybersecurity education, and then hopefully getting into something involved there, maybe down the road, bring it into escape rooms with my newfound tech knowledge. In other words, we'll be hacking things (laughs) until we get to the escape room part and then hacking the system to raise everyone's wages. There you go. There you go. Now... You didn't hear it here. This isn't incriminating at all, right? Don't tell anyone, you guys. We got like a few (laughs) listeners out there, okay? Like, just don't spread the word. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, they just changed the rule recently that you can't use like rap lyrics against someone as evidence in court cases. So maybe that can be expanded to you can't use what people say in podcasts against them in court cases. But who knows? Well, let's uh, let's not go down that <laughs> route. Anyways, we're going on a tangent. We're going back to the ultimate game master. <laughs> yeah, the ultimate game master. So again, we have five categories today. Uh, we'll count them out. We'll put them in the description. And we're going to keep this thing going. We'll have several more episodes like these. Maybe even down the road, we might do something more interactive. But for now, we're going to talk about five things. We talked about quite a few basic categories but essential last time and the one we're going to start off with today is number one which is orchestrate your timing as a game master now i hate to break it to anyone who's listening who might not be a game master but your success in a room absolutely you play a part as a player but to a certain degree the game master is somewhat of a puppeteer a conductor and they can determine whether or not you're going to get out. So most rooms you have 60 minutes, so we can kind of talk about it in that way. Beth, tell us about timing in a room. Why is it important? How have you been in control in the past? 
So timing in a room, I think is super important because you don't want to push a group so hard that, you know, like those needy groups that want every single clue, you're like, oh, I know they want to escape so badly, but it sucks when you give them every single clue and they get out in 20 minutes. You can make their experience so much better by kind of pushing them clues and nudges that don't reveal everything right at once. Just that way they can spend more time in certain areas, really enjoy the room. And you can maybe extend that 20 minute gameplay to like 45, 50 minutes. If you kind of nudge them in ways that just aren't giving them the whole code or don't give them the entire clue all at once when they just started two minutes ago, like just give them little pushes because you already know how the room goes. They don't. They don't realize how much there is in the room. They think there's going to be a million and a half things in there. So they're like, let's get through all of it. Mm-hmm. You know exactly how many puzzles there are. And you should know the timing of those puzzles. And you should know how long it generally should take for them to solve certain places. So you should be able to gauge where to help them when they ask for it. And they'll be really happy about it because they spent 35 to $50 on an hour long experience versus 20, 25 minutes. Yeah. And we've talked about this early on with kind of the funny things customers say that might be a little mundane to a game master, which is, Hey, if we get out in 30 minutes, do we get our money back or do we get 50% back? Because we only took half the time. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, people do view escape rooms as getting their money's worth by getting their hours worth. So You cannot control it completely, but most groups are going to need your help. So you want to try to conduct a game that your group finishes. I like to say, and when I was a general manager, I would say, hey, try to make it so they get out under 10 minutes Mm -hmm. because you feel that suspense of, hey, there's single digit minutes on the clock. We might not make it. And Mm -hmm. then if they do make it, and hopefully they do, they kind of feel validated like wow that was exhilarating that was adrenaline filling we got out with three minutes to go yeah that exhilarating feeling is like what you should go for the Mm -hmm. the last minute escape the last few seconds on the clock the last few minutes whatever it is because you're kind of drumming up their escape room high and you're kind of feeding into it a little bit and This will lead into a different topic later, but it's one way that will help you kind of upsell your other rooms, Mm -hmm. like try and do those same day bookings there. They get out and they're just like excited. They're like, wow, we only had minutes left, seconds left, whatever it is. And you could be like, oh my gosh, we have more rooms for you to play. (laughs) You know how easy that sale is going to be? Yeah. So easy. <laughs> yeah. You ca- you capitalize off the high and it's nothing disingenuine right now. Honestly, you're to do this, to create this under 10 escape. It's not always possible. You have to know your personnel. So a little bit of basketball terminology, the KYP is what they call in basketball. Know your personnel and understand, hey, how advanced is the group? Are they getting things fast? And sometimes you pick up that in the room. But by no means, and I mean this 100%, by no means do you ever stall your group. You cannot stall time. You can help them with time and say, hey, they're a little bit behind. Let me give them the nudge here. But never stall your group. Then you start meddling with the group. You're only going to get into a world of trouble. But you have to know your puzzles. 
Some puzzles are early level of knowledge. Some are deeper knowledge level puzzles. Some take at minimum, you know, five minutes. Some take less, some take more, but you really have to kind of know your inventory. Did you do anything specific to like keep track of which puzzles like took the longest over time? Keeping track... I think the easiest thing that I did was breaking up the puzzles into half hours. So, or breaking it up into rooms. So if it was like a single or a two person or a two room escape room, then I would break it up in half and I would say, okay, if they go through these puzzles in the first 30 minutes, they're on track and they're all good. But if we start getting to 40 minutes, I got to start pushing them a little bit more, asking Mm -hmm. them if they want hints or if they really are like, we don't want hints at all. Don't want clues at all. I just have to hope that they can get through the rest of the room. Um, And other times we had like those sheets that had all of our clues and how the room setup was. And Mm -hmm. so we were able to take those in during reset. We were able to take them out and use them to track what clues we have already given, which is great if you're kind of not like 100% on your room, but you're training. It's a really great resource to have it written down. And if you need to know like what the clue is off the top of your head, you could look down, write it down. Right. But I did love having those because that broke it up into rooms as well. You were able to check everything off and go, all right, they're halfway through. And you don't have to look at the camera as intently to be like, did they get that open? Did they get that open? If you can just keep track of it as you're going, it's really helpful. So that way you can figure out like, okay, 36 minutes, they got that open. They have six minutes to do this. They got this and that. And having it written down in front of you is just a really great resource, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a great way to train and even past training, even when you're a a pro already, it's still a nice way to stay organized. At Mm -hmm. Locked Adventures, uh, Jim Norcus and Christy there, they had us do essentially kind of like check marks. So there's multiple rooms in the adventure. So there was a timestamp, hey, if they're still in room one, at this time, they are then behind. If they're in room two by this time, they're ahead. So that was like a cool way to keep track of time, know if you're on pace or behind, how to give more hints, less hints, and it's just a good way to keep timestamps. Now, some rooms have hint technology and even puzzle technology that it records when the puzzle was solved. This is more so for tech rooms. Mm -hmm. When the puzzle was solved, at what time? And that data can actually be turned into averages. And so you can kind of see the averages over time of, hey, when is this happening in the rooms as the data grows? That's super interesting. I really wish I I had seen systems like that, but I only got to work with them for a little bit. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for my my longer jobs that were in escape rooms, we were manually doing everything just right in our little noggins. Of course. (laughs) We started early in escape rooms, right? Yeah. We moved up, you guys. We have so much technology. (laughs) Yeah, technology is definitely taking over. Let's conclude this as far as orchestrating timing to just say one of the main reasons you don't want to let this go by the wayside is if you don't orchestrate timing every way you can besides stalling a group, you will run into a group eventually that finishes their adventure with 30 minutes left and they get out the final door and they say, that was it. Mm-hmm. And that, Oh, hurts. we did it. We're done. That hurts. It hurts. It really hurts. Yeah. So do what you can as a game master to understand, not to give hints too early, understand the timing of your room. And as a builder, understand how much have you put into a room? 
how much does it actually take? How much time does it take? Because if there's not enough to do in the room, it's hard to make that a 50 minute adventure, no matter what. Mm -hmm. You gotta, you gotta put them in and keep working. It's not just a put them in and you can lay back and do your thing till they're done. You, you gotta pay attention. You have to help them. You, they don't know the room like you do. You gotta nudge them where they can escape. Yep. That's the whole thing. (laughs) I agree. All right. Speaking of builds, number two today is be honest about your builds. And this is a very tough conversation from a game master perspective. Be honest about your builds. Now, I can't tell you a single establishment that has one sole contributor. Like every single thing was done by one individual person. Sure, we have our primary builders of the world's, But even then, you have contributors that are doing story design, maybe painting, maybe set design. You know, one person does the tech. It's always a conglomerate effort. And then people buy props. It's not a secret anymore. People buy props. I'm not going to name any names today, but your favorite escape room probably has bought props, puzzles, and sets and built off of them. There's nothing wrong with that. But as a game master, you just have a group finish. They have a great time. You're usually the face they see, especially if you're a manager, and they're going to think this is your escape room. They're going to say, oh my gosh, that was awesome. Beth, did you build this? And then you're on the spot. You're on the spot. They love you, Beth. They love you. They just did the room of their life. Beth, Did you create this? What do you say? I usually said no, but we had a team that would build out our rooms. So I would just explain that. I would go, hey, no, I am just a manager. I'm just a game master. I'm here for you guys. I'm here for you. Yeah. Now the room, totally different team. That's part of our company. What questions do you guys have? What do you want to know? What are you curious about? Exactly the same demeanor and all. Yeah. And that's a great way to handle it. I mean, the truth is, is as mentioned, it's never one person, even though you might be the face, people are inquisitive and it would be super cool if it was, yeah, I built this myself from the ground up. It's rarely that. Now, some places allow their game masters to contribute to builds, but it's usually in a minor way, such as painting, maybe a certain area of the set. A certain prop here A certain prop. And then a lot of escape rooms are hybrids. At Locked Adventures, the rooms there are largely hybrids. There there are bot props, there are bot puzzles, but then Jim does a lot of stuff behind the scenes to enhance it. And he let me, a guy named Carlos Castaneda, um, and some of the other game masters help with set design, props, things like that, painting. And so when people ask, hey, what have you done to build escape rooms? I'll be more specific. I helped with this area of the room. See that picture right there or that puzzle? I actually did the art for that. Or most recently, you know that voice you hear in Dr. Hater's cartoon world, which just got a name change? That's actually my voice. So it's a lot better to be honest. This is like life advice. It's a lot lot better to be honest about what you contributed to than get caught up in a lie because it's going to come back to you 
And one of the worst ways it can come back to you if it's your boss figures out that you're saying, yes, I built this whole room. How they're awkward. Gonna, they're going to be upset. They're the one yeah. that started the business. They're the one that deals with the rent and the lease and the insurance. And, and the, then hired you. And the pay. Yeah. Like, you know, billing and all that stuff. And they hired you. So it's it's a very easy trap to fall in because a game master should love escape room so much that they want to build one. Mm -hmm. But you just got to be careful about it. Just be honest. And talk to your boss too. If, if your boss is one of those companies that's buying puzzles or even buying an entire room, ask them, how should we respond to customers when we get asked, did we build this? Personally, yeah. I think you should be honest. Hey, we bought this from this company and then we built onto it to make it more unique mm -hmm. because there's nothing wrong with buying rooms. Like a lot of owners out there cannot do tech. They yeah. need to outsource. You'd be so surprised to see how many prop and escape room design distributors there are out there. Mm -hmm. Like I was just doing research on escape rooms and I didn't even realize how many distributors there are. Like yeah. Not even just in America, like all over the world. Yeah. And they have great stuff. And there were some things that I had seen before and didn't even know that they came from those companies. And it didn't make a difference in my experience, of course, but... I thought it was super interesting to know how much, I don't know, effort and how many people can go into building an escape room. Yeah. And it's okay to be truthful about that. I mean, if you say like, hey, somebody else built the room, that makes no difference to me. I had a great time. Exactly. <laughs> I had a great time in the room. And, you know, whoever made the room should make a difference in the experience. But so there isn't really much of a reason to lie about who built it. Yeah. And there are other ways to contribute that add on to it. And mo most things are just a team effort and that's the honest truth. But I understand, I understand the need or like the want to feel accomplished, but it just kind of reminds me, and this is maybe an extreme metaphor, but I used to be in financial advising and I had just passed my license exams for like dealing with stocks and life insurance and all that stuff. And they told me to like make all these cold calls and literally be like, Hey, I run my own financial advising business now and act like a pro. And in my heart of hearts, I was like, from the get go, I was like, I do not like this long story. Morally just wrong. Long story short, I called Jim from locked adventures and he was one of my dials. And I was like, Hey man, like, can I come talk to you about investing and, and financial advising? And out of the goodness of his heart, he said, sure. I sat down on the couch with him and he was expecting me to give him some sort of cold spiel about, you know, why he should put his money with me. And I said, dude, I'm doing some other things to advance my career right now. I'm in financial advising. I hate it. Do you have a job for me? <laughs> and that's how I got into talks about getting back into escape rooms a second time and working at Locked Adventures. Pretty dope, honestly. I mean, better than calling people up and lying that you're like this pro at financial thing. Right. Right. And I mean, like, I love math. I love numbers, but by yeah. no means was like, I I'm a not pro. the business owner. I had literally passed my certification like a couple days before I called Jim and all of a sudden they're, you know, these, these business mentalities that are a little bit of sellouts in all honesty are telling me, Hey, just lie. And I'm like, what? No, I, I don't want to. Yeah. Also like how, Okay, I don't know. This is, I'm going to complain about this. If you are going to expect your employee to lie right off the bat, 
or how good of a liar do you think they're going to be to be able to run all the way home with that sale? Like Exactly. I mean, like what's going to happen when they're like, yeah, talk to me. <laughs> so all this to say, don't be a liar. And if you, if you feel like you're doing something wrong in life, speak up and do what you need to do to be truthful. So it brings us to point number three today. <laughs> a little bit of life history on myself, but point three is <laughs> seek to gain skills. Maybe you were hit with that moment where you're like, I really wish I could say I contributed to this room, but I didn't. Well, what do you need to do? Go yeah, who's get, to say you can't? Go get skills. Everybody on escape break, myself, Beth, Tati, have had different stops in life in our career. We're all different ages, but we've had different stops. We've all gained skills along the way. And the only way to make these transitions is to look to gain these skills. If you want it, if it hurts you when you're not able to say like what you want to say to customers, well, go get the skill. There's a lot of ways to do this. I'll give it to you, Beth, for now, but is there anything in your life that you wanted to learn, whether it's in escape rooms or other places that you said, hey, I'm going to go learn it and tell us how you learned it? Honestly, there were so many things because I don't know, like life just gets boring sometimes when you're doing the same thing all the time and you're like, oh, I'm ready for something new. And I feel like I've done that every single year since I have entered the world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we got a different hobby. We got a different thing. Yeah. And when I got into escape rooms, that was that was my different thing. I was working at a retail store. I hated it. I had just graduated high school. I was in college. I had no idea what I was doing. And mm -hmm. I was going to college for communications, which communications is great. I had no idea what I was going to do with it. Mm -hmm. And I had done an escape room, fell in love with it. And I had asked them if they were hiring at all. And two weeks later, I got a job there and I was learning something totally new. And then mm -hmm. from then on, I learned about fixing props, even if they were kind of like Jimmy Rig janky fixes. I, yeah. I was scrappy. I learned how to be scrappy. That was great. But there were tons of things I got to learn, like from escape rooms, I got to learn about marketing. And then I got to learn about how to fix props. And then I got to learn about like improving my customer service skills and my people skills. And mm -hmm. all you need to do is ask. And then if you can't get the opportunity fulfilled there, find a different place to go to that will be able to give you that opportunity. Because mm -hmm. if you're itching for something new and you're going, I want to be a part of that. I want to be on that list of people that have contributed. Like that's your sign. Go ask. Ask somebody who's going to be able to give you that space to flourish and learn something new because you're going to have way more fun. And if you don't have more fun, there are plenty of other things to try. Yeah, I love that. And, uh, you know, my friends ask me, tell me about your friend, Beth. And I say, well, she's super scrappy. I mean that in the best way. That's a really good compliment. It might not seem that way at the, like just at surface level if you're calling someone scrappy. But in the gaining skills mentality, scrappy is what you need to be. So great word there. My path, I am a kinesiology major in biomechanics. So I was a personal trainer, a basketball coach in college. And then I switched, went to math, went to escape rooms. You heard about financial advising. And then I was in digital marketing with COVID and now I'm in cybersecurity. So every point along the way, you have to do some sort of new justification of how, you, how you're valid in the space. So maybe that's taking a certification exam, or maybe that's literally just learning the skills. At Locked Adventures, Jim, my favorite 
boss ever really allowed me to do this jim and christy they allowed me to take the lead on certain things jim and carlos one of our builders there allowed me to sit and watch and then when i was ready they would allow me to get hands-on and then i gain skills that way but let's say your your company doesn't allow you to do that well this may sound cliche but there's youtube you I've learned so many things off of YouTube. There's Udemy, there's all these courses online and the majority of it is free. And there's small projects you can do at your house. You know, like you can, if you really wanted to, you could try to set up some sort of interaction with a, uh, with tech to open something in your house. Like let's open something in your kitchen when you place a, a coffee pot down and just mess around. You can read online about Arduinos and Raspberry Pis and all the system on chip devices. There's a lot you can do. It might seem overwhelming at first, but it doesn't even have to be tech. Yeah. And if you're like me and you have a hard time kind of applying yourself to, I guess, trying to learn something on your own, like mm-hmm. I sometimes just need to be handheld. I need I need somebody to tell me what I need to learn and then let me follow them. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have a space for that, community college has a lot of courses that you could take Mm -hmm. that will help you with artistic skills in escape rooms. Like the community college has like a theater department. They probably have set design. They probably have uh, set builds. They probably have like painting classes that you could take to learn about texture and those are all great ways to just get started, especially in something that's not even including tech, learning how to build the pretty part of the set. And then when you're getting a little more comfortable with that, move into the tech part, move into the behind the scenes. And I don't know about college classes on any of those. I'm sure there are. I'm just not techie. Yeah. I mean, like Arduino and Raspberry Pis are the only words I know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. And you also know RFID. Oh, yeah. There you go. See? <laughs> But regardless of the fancy buzzwords, it's true. There's formal learning like your college courses. There's informal learning like just going online. And and I personally believe this. This is an opinion. But if you don't have the drive to hop online and try to dive into the wormhole of the internet to learn, then you probably don't want to learn it. But mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be tech. It could be it doesn't have to be construction. It could be customer service. It could be telling your story like we talked about in the first episode. Practice with your family, practice with your significant other, your friends and say, hey, can I tell you a story? I'm going to try to do it really theatrical. I want you to tell me how how it makes you feel. Right. And you get to work with your nerves. So Mm -hmm. lots to learn. You have to view a game master as a real job. And as a real job, your boss is going to try and say, hey, who is bringing the most value to the company? They're last to go if we have to make any cuts. Who's bringing the least value to the company? They are first to go. Also with gaining skills, it's a great way to try and get comfortable with the people you work with, try and get comfortable with your managers, your bosses, the owners, whatever, because the more comfortable you are, the better constructive criticism you're probably going to get like Mm -hmm. they'll feel a lot more comfortable knowing that you're going to accept it and they want you to be the best because they would love for you to be the best you're working at their company they hired you because they thought you were awesome so ask them where you can improve and they will tell you oh I mean here and there 
and then you work with that and that's okay. And so just try and get more comfortable with your staff, the people you work with, because they will give you a lot of really good advice. They see you working with groups. They'll be able to give you pointers and help you out, but just reach out for that kind of help. I love it. I love it. So point number four today is kind of a skill in its own. We're actually going to make it its own point. And I'm doing this simply because of my experience as a general manager and what I've seen and what I've heard from other owners. And that point, point number four on how to be the ultimate game master is answer the phone. It may seem strange, but certain escape room cultures, the phone only gets forwarded to the owner. And the owner takes all the calls, schedules all the appointments if it's not online. And it shouldn't be that way. That's a lot of Mm -hmm. responsibility on the owner. It's a lot of unwillingness to delegate authority on the owner. But it's largely for good reason because there are often times that I've seen person A and person B are on shift. It's towards the end of the night. There's still a couple slots open in the phone rings. And there's this... (laughs) There's this dread in the game master's mind of, oh, no, someone book the last one. Yes. Someone is going to book the 10 p.m. game. Oh, freaking no. And you just can't have that attitude. If that's your attitude at an escape room, Kai is telling you to quit now. No, I'm serious. Like. Escape, it is true. Escape rooms struggle enough with money. It's still something that has yet to be solved of how to make escape rooms like a truly sustainable business. Every booking counts and it's on your shift. Your If your shift is scheduled from 4 p.m. to 11 p.m. and someone books at 10, good. You just got an extra hour of pay. Mm-hmm. Your business just got who knows how many extra dollars depending on the number of people in that group. And it's part of your job. And so part of being a good game master, an ultimate game master is answering the phone and knowing how to get that game booked. Because Mm -hmm. let's say in that scenario, person A answers the phone. There's like, welcome to Escape Break Escape Room. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, you can find out online. Yeah. No, no, no. You can find out online. And they hang up. You know, like it doesn't encourage them to book the game where yeah. If you if you approached it with the the personality of Beth, you can probably you. talk you can probably <laughs> talk somebody into agreeing to go through with what they were trying to do, which was book a game. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, of course, we actually have a 10 p.m. open. You know, how far away are you guys? Oh, cool. 30 minutes, great. Got plenty of time. How many is going to be in your group? Build the excitement right then and there. And you just got another booking. Like your boss is going to love you. You already just made a good connection with the group that's coming in and it's mm-hmm. part of your job. I mean, like, I mean, have you yeah. ever been, have you ever been scared of being on the phone? Um, I think at the very beginning, yes. Cause I just never picked up phones. And yeah. after a while it was just very easy to pick up on because typically they always ask the same questions Yeah, like, Oh, what rooms do you have? What's good for this many players? Right. What days are you open? how much are you all the basic questions and then if they needed a book online then i already know how to book games so it was very easy to be like well i have these options oh you want to go with the late booking no problem if you guys want to come like 15 
30 minutes early. We can start as early as you guys arrive because I it would be a bummer for me to stay late. But I also was working extremely long hours mm-hmm. for a long time. Like those fun 10-hour shifts that weren't really scheduled, but they they expected it. Right. Those were annoying, but I still never turned people away who wanted to book my last game. I would just offer like, hey, if you want to come earlier, you are more than welcome. We don't have anyone booked before you. We'll start you. And that saved me like 15 minutes at the end of the night. And I'd be like, cool. That's cool. I mean, they still got to play. We still got to sell the game. Yeah. And there there are little things that you can do to like help yourself. Like just make sure the room is ready. Make sure you go through everything. Put them into the room. And great. You saved five minutes because you put them in at 9.55. Right. Right. And there's a lot of different things that go into this. Like if your work culture is bad, I totally understand why you might not want that last game booked. Right. That's that's mm-hmm. a different scenario that needs to be fixed. But yeah, but if it's it, your schedule and you are expected to sell these games, you were expected to be happy that mm-hmm. things are booking, you should sell the game. You shouldn't hide it. You shouldn't block it off. You shouldn't put a fake booking on it or whatever it is to mm-hmm. make sure people don't book it. Just sell the game. Yeah. Yeah. So by no means are we saying like work overtime or anything like that. But mm-hmm. if it's within your schedule and that schedule is up to your manager, mm-hmm. take, take the game, answer the phone is a great skill to have that now your boss doesn't have to do it anymore. And Beth, you mentioned another skill that we didn't actually talk about, which is understanding your your sales system. Like, can you book a game for another person? Can you adjust the schedule with all the mm-hmm. interfaces, whether that's Bookio or Resova or did you use anything else? Checkfront. Checkfront, Yeah. So there's Mm -hmm. a lot of them out there. So understanding how to do those things makes you more valuable too. As far as being scared on the phone, I think to a certain extent, everyone is culture a little bit allows people to be scared on the phone because we text so much. Mm -hmm. Some people, even friends to friends won't answer the phone, (laughs) but you have to have confidence as a game master. One of my first jobs was a medical receptionist and I was scared. I was scared to answer the phone. I did it. And then I got, a lot better on the phone to where, I mean, here we are on a podcast, which is just like a giant phone line, right? Yeah. With a video. Yeah. And <laughs> and, and it allows you to learn how to control a conversation, not manipulatively or anything like that, but just with confidence. Like Beth's called me before and we talk, she's told me about updates in her life. Tati calls me. Like, I'm not afraid to pick up the phone to my friends. And I, you know, that's more life mm-hmm. advice, like pick up the phone. Pick up the phone for your friends. For your friends, <laughs> if anything, for your friends. <laughs> All right, Beth. Bringing us into the final category today, number five on how to be the ultimate game master is representing the community. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. All right. I so I love this one too because we represent the community ourselves. We're no longer what? game masters or managers or even involved with specific escape rooms. You a little bit, but not yet, or not even here in California. Yeah, not around here. But we represent <laughs> the community. And so as a game master, the more you build these skills and these attributes, you're going to represent the community. And there's a lot of things you can do that is good. There's a couple of things you can do that is bad. And so this is a little bit of both, but mainly... I don't want you to become, not you, Beth, but I don't want any game masters to become bad representations of the community. And there's a couple 
things that can be done. Of course, there's like egregious things, but little things mm-hmm. such as how you talk about rooms, like even the bad ones, even the how ones you, you don't like, how you interact on the forums. Like there are some game masters that, you know, someone's asking, hey, I'm coming down to San Diego. I'd love to play a game. What are some of the best games out there? And they list a game that is 50 miles away. No context. They just drop the name of their escape room. It's not helpful. It, and if anything, to me, it's kind annoying. Of obnoxious. Yeah, it's obnoxious. Like, and the like more realistically, realistically, you should why? give them an answer in San Diego. You should tell them why and don't just blurt out the name of the escape room you work for to try to get business. That's like bad business right there. The other thing. I love the owners that would represent other escape rooms rather than be like, oh, we have like five other great rooms that we sell. Yeah. And then I would ask them like, what's your favorite room? This, that. And then they'd be like, oh, well, I've only played our rooms. I've only played a handful of rooms before I opened a business. And that always just puts like a yucky taste in my mouth because I'm like, this sounds like a cash grab to you. And I'm going to, I'm going to skedaddle. <laughs> yeah. And you gotta, you gotta be honest. I mean, the honesty theme of this episode comes into play here. Say, Hey, this is Kajer Kai from X escape room. Right. Mm-hmm. Just a note. I actually work here, but we are close by. We'd love to see you come. Our themes are X, Y, and Z, you know? So then they kind of know the context that you might be a little biased, but at least you're honest. Yeah. And some people like that. Some people will be like, oh my gosh, you work there? I'm going to privately message you and ask you some questions because I don't want to call you. I'm scared of calling. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that I wish there was less of is some game masters try to abuse their power. And I understand money is a thing for everyone, but there are some game masters that literally try to abuse their power and they try Mm -hmm. to get free rooms or advanced discounts. I mean, from many episodes, time and time again, really the only discount I really believe in are whatever holiday discount you want to run. And if you decide to play all the games at the facility, like if you have like a multi-game discount, those are the only ones. But I mean, there are times, yes, as Escape Break, people have let me play their escape rooms for free, me and Beth for free. And a lot of the time- We're truthful about it. (laughs) We're truthful about it. And we're very gracious. But a lot of the time I'll say, hey, I'm willing to pay. And a lot of the owners that know me, that support me are very, very kind to me. And they say, no, 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 don't even worry about it. But I am willing to pay because there are times that I understand this is a very hard thing to do. So don't be that Mm -hmm. game master that's like trying to abuse the system. Obviously, if someone really is saying, hey, you can play for this discount or you can play for free, which is super gracious. Do everything mm-hmm. in your power to like honestly represent the room. Like don't give a fake review or anything, but like represent the room well. Yeah, especially if they gave you like a free game, a discount. I don't know if you didn't like it. I just don't say anything like I don't know. I have I mean, it's a fine line. There's a fine line. Yes. If I play an escape room and I leave a review, typically it's five stars. And Mm -hmm. if I play an escape room and I don't leave a review, usually I forgot. Usually I just didn't think about it. But other times it's because I didn't like it and I didn't have much 
good to say about it. And that's only happened a few times, but I will simply just not say it because like, if somebody comes up to me and asks me about it, I'll say what I liked about it. And then I'll just say like, it just really wasn't my cup of tea. Like it just, it didn't hit the mark for me. Yeah. But that's okay. It's fun for other people. There are other reviews of people saying that they had a great time. It just simply wasn't for me. It's very subjective. Yeah. And and I'm a stickler here. Like you've heard it. If you listen to every episode of Escape Break, you've heard me say, don't listen to reviews from other owners because they play for free. And they have this like little pact between themselves to say, hey, let's give each other five-star reviews to boost the community. That's not what I mean by representing the community. Like I promise you, they have a pact to do so. And I know that might sound slanderous, but it's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> it, it does happen. And, and so you have to, here comes the question of growth is, how do you talk about a room as a game master, as someone who's supposed to uphold their duty to represent the community? How do you talk about a room that you didn't like in the right way? So you play a room, let's say like the most extreme scenario, you play a room, they let you play for free because you're part of escape break and you hate it. And then a group comes to you and says, Hey, I saw you played this room. Should we play? How do you handle that situation? I know I'm putting you on the spot right there. We didn't discuss this beforehand. I know. I know. (laughs) How dare you? How dare you put me on the spot? It's okay. I'll answer it too, but I'm asking you first. Typically, I will just try to find as much good that I do see in the room as possible, Mm -hmm. whether that's like the decor or a singular puzzle or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I will let them know like, oh yeah, I played it. I wouldn't, I had a fun time. My group had a good time. There were just some things that kind of missed the mark for me. I'm a really big lover of set design. And I just feel like the set design wasn't really up to like what I was expecting. Mm -hmm. But there were other things I really enjoyed. Like I liked the puzzles. I liked this. I liked that. Or And I would switch things out however I needed. Whether that's like, I love the puzzles. I hated the decor. I love this. Hated that. And I would just kind of give them the softest truth I could give them. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Like I wouldn't badmouth and be like, it was shitty and bad and I hated it and I wanted to burn to the ground. Um, <laughs> okay. Out there. Okay. <laughs> like I like it. I like anyway, it. I like um, but I would just give it more of a softer kind of truth and add in some things that might interest them more. Or I would probably ask them questions like, what are you looking for? Like, are you looking for great puzzles? Are you looking for great set design? Are you looking for pirates, mummies, whatever? Mm-hmm. That way I could be like, eh, maybe not this one, maybe this one, maybe this one. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like it's so hard because there are so many options and factors that you can use and keep. And these are like scenarios that I'm like, <laughs> okay, what about this? And then what if, but what if one of them asked me this question? And then, you know, I think about it too much. Yeah, but I guess that's why we're on a podcast. So we're just talking. <laughs> oh, I'm proud of you. I really did put you on the spot there. <laughs> so I'm just ranting. For me, if I was asked to play a room from someone I knew and it, I hated it, I would talk to that person right after and let them know, hey, this is what I really didn't like about it. 
And so I do that first and foremost. Sometimes it's harder than others, depending on who the person is that's letting you play the room. But normally the people that are letting me play their rooms, I have decent relationships with. So I would let them know. If someone asked me, hey, I saw you just played this room. How was it? Should we play? And I actually hated the room. I have come to the conclusion that it's never so black and white of I hated it or it was great. There are moments exactly. that are good. There are moments that are bad. So I encourage everyone to increase their vocabulary when they're talking about rooms and reviews, because I've started doing this thing on Morty where I put a little blurb and sometimes it's comedic and sometimes it's, it's just, you know, not comedic and just factual, but it's what you might like about the room and then what you might not like about the room. So I try to split it up because my personal experience in the room is not going to be yours. And mm -hmm. when it comes to being professional, the circle of professionalism in my mind does not elude the circle of honesty. I think being honest is part of being professional. So being dishonest or even being discretionary shouldn't ever be overlapped with professionalism. Right. I don't think being dishonest is part of professionalism. And some people yeah. would argue that, right? Well, in this case, you shouldn't have said that, you know, if your vocabulary yeah. is high enough and you take your emotions out of it, you can really say, you know, the room has a lot of promise. The room has some really cool moments. Hey, what do you like this theme? Then you're going to love this room. There mm -hmm. was a, there was a puzzle that I didn't like, but it's not the whole room. Right. It doesn't sound yeah. that bad because it probably wasn't that bad. Yeah. And, and You're like, oh, it kind of was a downer for me, but it won't be a downer for everyone else in the world. Right. Because the ultimate goal for me, and I hope for all the game masters out there and people just involved players, game masters, owners, builders, et cetera, is that every room becomes great because the more bad rooms there are that don't seek to improve, the quicker the escape room lore is going to end <laughs> yeah <laughs> right beth just farted so sorry guys excuse me <laughs> okay. the quicker the lore is going to end we don't want escape rooms to die because the best part about representing the community as a game master is you are then inclusive you're not the cocky escape room that says only play us you're mm -hmm. the one that says we're great but hey you're done with us go play confusion go play mad rapper go oh you're going to norcal go play in chambered or try out palace games if you have enough people like all these yeah. things be the guru but do it in the right way that's that's yeah. all i'm saying in terms of representing the community i love what you said about um having better vocabulary because that's totally true i mean i you can't just sit there and be like oh the room was good mm -hmm. what part like or oh yeah the room was bad okay what part and you can totally make yourself sound so much better if you know just certain keywords that you just keep in your back pocket, like set design, decor, mm -hmm. technology, mm -hmm. puzzles, I don't know, paint. Like yeah. if you just have all sorts of like little words in your back pocket, you can pull them out and be like, I liked this, but I didn't like that. And it also just makes you sound a bit more well-versed. Like they're, they're going to trust your opinion a little bit more now that you've brought up options and key traits that were happening in the room. Like mm -hmm. you brought it up. And also it shows you played the room because there are plenty of people who will say 
that they didn't like a room or they did like a room and then not play it at all. And then people will go play it and be like, I was bad or like, or something. <laughs> and so it, moral of the story is there are multiple things on this list that you can use every single day to be the ultimate game master. Don't be a liar. Tell the truth. Okay. Tell the truth. And have better vocabulary. No, <laughs> and have better vocabulary. Now I have, I have yeah. one more thing before we conclude is in terms of representing the community. As a game master, even as an enthusiast, sometimes owners, people involved are going to tell you, for lack of better words, secrets. Hey, this is mm -hmm. going to be our next room, or we're going to do this in our next room. I'm seeing it a lot more, unfortunately, but I think part of representing the community is keep your secrets. And like, yes, it's cool to be in the know, but if you know, like if Beth tells me her escape room in Chicago is going to do something that I'd never heard of. I'm keeping it a secret. And and honestly, from my personal perspective, a lot of owners tell me things because I don't tell anybody. And I have friends that are like, you knew that? And I'm like, yeah, I did. Why didn't you tell me? Because the more you it's tell secrets, tell. then people aren't going to tell you secrets. It's great. It's really cool to know like, what this escape room is going to do next, but I am going to let them release that information when they want to. And I'm not going to tell it to anyone in my circle. I'm not going to tell it on escape break. Yeah. It just, it's part of just being a, a credible and honest and genuine individual. Yeah. I guess like, it's like leaking music. Like it's shitty. Yeah. It's yeah. shitty when somebody leaks your music and then right. you're like, oh my God, all my hard work, like the surprise is ruined. There was a whole plan. We had a marketing strategy, whatever. Mm -hmm. And money can go into that time, effort, blood, tears. I don't know. Stuff goes into that. And Lots so it's really blood. shitty when the secrets get leaked. Yeah. And it's even shittier when somebody else can like see the idea you're going with and then try and beat you to it. And mm -hmm. so it's, it's really good to just like hold those secrets. This is the part where like, don't be truthful. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> just be with, truthful. Uphold, if, uphold information. Like, Yeah. Be a morally yeah. good person. <laughs> just be a good person. <laughs> <laughs> Keep your friends secrets, but tell the truth in other places. So a little bit of, uh, a little bit of professional and personal growth today on mm -hmm. Escape Break. But all of these do apply to being a great game master and ultimate game master. As always, if you have any comments or questions or maybe Topics. more specific how-tos, like you want to know, hey, how how can I achieve this? And you want to ask me or Beth, just send us a message. We'd be happy to do so and respond to you. And we will definitely see you next time for more episodes. We got new ones coming up soon. Hopefully we have some more escape stories coming up soon. And Beth, I'll see you next time, right? Yeah, back back here on escape break. Hey Kai, guess what? No, don't say it. I need more time. Uh, break time is just about over. But Tati, what if they want more? They can tune into the next episode. Next episode? Of course. There's so many more escape adventures to share. Well, what can they do between now and then? They can like us on social media. Share this episode? Yes, absolutely. And what if they are new to the show? Then I think they should go back and listen to all the great episodes. Awesome. And don't forget to send in your questions to us. And be sure to tune in soon for your next Escape Break.